Warning, this episode may contain explicit language and spoilers for the entirety of the Reordinverse. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Damn Snack Bar. This is episode 91. My friends helped me gate crash my funeral after I died. <laughs> we are reading uh, chapters 22 to 24 of The Sword of Summer today, continuing with Mr. Magnus Chase. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what did you think of these chapters, Joe? Uh, yeah, they were cute. They were very fun. They were very fun. I really liked them because our two favourites were back. And we got a little cameo be... fave as well. Yeah, we got to watch them be a, like a married couple and his parents and it was yeah. and his best friends and it was beautiful. This is like the first section that you get to see Blitz and Half actually like Interact, come together yeah. and like have their personalities start to show a little bit more. And have, more they than have just some Magnus. history yeah. together. And more it's... than just Magnus talking about them and it's just... I love them so much. It's so cute. There were some points where I was like, wow, that's some really good punniness happening right there. And then there were some other points where I was like, wow, Blitz is really giving Charles Boyle vibes for me. (laughs) 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 Corporate needs you to find the difference between these two pictures. That's Creed. No, it's not. That's Bam. Yeah, but like two Creed. (laughs) And Creed going. between Charles Boyle My and God. Blitzman. Yeah, I just got the joke. Oh, man. Cylinders are not firing today. She's good, kids. Look, there's my gunpowder. It's been well. Oh, God. Fuck me. Okay. Get your head in the game. So, yeah. Get, you, get, you, get, you, get, you. get it in there. Get back in get there. Get back in there. Um, yeah, no, I love them in this section of chapters, especially because you start to see, like, you see where they're still kind of clinging to Magnus and not knowing how much he knows, but then trying to, like, give enough information that he's still on the same page. But then, like, Blitz is, like, holding back, but Half isn't, but it's just that Magnus doesn't understand the information that Half is giving. Like, yeah, because it doesn't just, come across uh, as well in um, ASL. Yeah, I just love, okay, Hearthstone is... My baby. I love him. <laughs> I love him so much. He's just amazing. I like his little bits of sass that he adds in. Literally. Really I literally had one note that was just like when Blitz was like complimenting Hearth or something on his um rune magic and Hearth just turned at him and was like, I'm blushing. <laughs> it was like full stone face and I was like, oh, my child. <laughs> I love him so much. He's the greatest. Um, yeah, we also get a little cameo from our fave fave yes, cousin, we do. little Annabeth. Princess Curls herself. Love her so much, and she's in this, and it's great. When I <laughs> think about the things that I remember of this book, that scene in the funeral happening, I was going to call it a funeral home, but it's not actually a funeral home. No, it's, no, just, it's just like yeah, a chapel. Like a... That scene in the chapel is like top. Top remembering memory. What am I saying? So first is the top thing. I, it's the most biggest. I remember this the most. <laughs> it's been a long day. All the big words. It's been a long day. Hey, I've already done another podcast today. It's been a lot. I know, and I slept this today. Yeah, <laughs> I did a lot. Some of us were working, putting in our blood, sweat, and tears to make something for you all to enjoy. It was actually very fun, and I did enjoy it a lot. So. Did you say you volunteered for it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I really did. 
<laughs> okay, well, before we start, we do have a message from a listener. Do we? I'm not going to read the whole message because I don't want to like infringe on any privacy. So it was just basically uh, Devin who has messaged us before on Instagram, and so- we read it aloud on the pod. They were just messaging us to say thank you for reading um, their message aloud because they had a bad week or a bad day oh, and no hearing problem. us read it aloud made them feel better, lifted them up a little bit and I was just like, you're going to make me cry and then after that, they were like, and I'm going to send you a slideshow of all of the dogs that I work with and I was like, you are trying now, you are trying to make me bore my eyes out. <laughs> that is just mean but yes, please send me the slideshow so Devin, if you're listening to this, I'm going to hold you to that slideshow, send it to me now thank you so much. <laughs> Susie here, what are we doing? Drop everything. Literally. Literally. I don't, it doesn't have to be flashy. I don't need, you know, slide transitions or anything. Yeah, we don't need a star transition. Yeah. Or the duh, the, you know, the pixel Yeah, literally. But, um, yes, thank you, Devin. Um, if you guys want to send us a message like Devin, then we are DanSnackBarPod, um, on Instagram and Twitters, and we are DanSnackBarPod at Outlook.com if you want to send us an email. Oh, yeah, guys. Yeah. Get around it. Chat. Get around it. We love reading them out. Very fun. Okay, we have a lot of things to get through today. Um, Information wise, you have a lot of things to learn, Joe. Oh, Oh, yeah, no, it's a whole whole thing. This is more than what I thought it was. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of things to learn. Big time. So um, let's get into the first little recap. So in chapters 22 to 24, Blitz and Hearth perform the perfect um, B&E to break Magnus out of Valhalla and escape the scary squirrel. And luckily, all of Floor 19 are ready to help in whatever way matters. Then um, the trio find themselves in Fenway Park, back on Midgard. Uh, Magnus learns the truth about his friends and about what happened to his mortal body while he was in Valhalla, getting manicures and muscles. Hell yeah. Yeah, so this um, is covering cha- uh, the chapter 22, My Friends Fall Out of a Tree. Chapter 23, I Recycle Myself. <laughs> and 24, You Had One Job. <laughs> I love that one. Just that yeah. Title. Yeah. So, um, yeah, in these chapters, Joe, did anything jump out at you as things that you want to discuss, discuss straight away? Um, one pun stuck out to me the whole time. Yeah, when, yeah, yeah, yeah. When Hearth and Blitz were... Um, were uh, explaining who they worked for. <laughs> they were like, yeah, he's the real head of the operation. I was like, ah, what a pun! <laughs> it was so funny. It was only so funny because I knew who it was. And um, Oh, so you didn't catch it the first time? No. No, because it's just one of those sentences that you breeze over where you're like, okay, he's in charge. No, yeah. it was, he used the term, he's the head of our operation. I was like, ha ha ha, that's hilarious! Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's great. <laughs> that's it. That's all. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, so um, before we even got to that, obviously, Blitz and Half. Oh yeah, and just found their, a way into Magnus's bedroom. Just through this old tree. married couple. Um, oh yeah, aesthetic. That's what's. But they found a way into his bedroom through the tree on the wall. Mm. Are we meant to assume that that's part of the world tree? Does he have an entrance to the world tree in his bedroom? Yeah, by the looks of it. Isn't the world tree something that's supposed to be, like, super cordoned off, especially to, like, inhale and to be, like, something that you definitely cannot go near because it is something, it's like a... But it's in the Great Hall of Feasts, isn't it? That's No, a different tree. Oh, it's a different tree? Different tree. Oh. Okay, scratch that then. Yeah. No, because, like, when we met all of everyone at Floor 19 and they were having breakfast, and Magnus was asking how to get to the other realms, and they were saying, we have to, we have to know a lot of, like 
back doorways and a lot of like you have to get around the security by going this way this way this way we found out one of the ways is through the recycling chute um <laughs> but so like it kind of defeats the purpose of having back doorways if you have a front doorway in your bedroom literally in your bedroom he got special treatment yeah. Maybe it's because he's a child of prey. I don't know. Maybe. And he's calling nature to him. And the tree was like, okay. <laughs> Maybe it's just because he's the main character. Lucky, lucky boy. Lucky, lucky boy. Lucky boy. He's giving main character energy, but he's also giving, I don't want to be the main character <laughs> energy. See, but if he was a true hustler, like he kind of says that he is from being homeless, then he would be charging admission to his bedroom to then go wherever they wanted, like, wherever anyone wanted in the Nine Realms. Sure, he didn't know that. Maybe he'll do that. I mean, yes, you have to, he, you would have to, like, it, there's an element of danger because you have to avoid the scary squirrel, but, like... Be like, it comes with warning tags, but if you're that desperate... Yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, okay, well, so do you want to learn some things about the scary squirrel then, Joe? Yes. So... The scary, scary squirrel, squirrel, his name is Ratatosk, or Ratatoska. He's giving anyway. Ratatouille vibes, but yes. Yeah. You're telling me I just bought Ratatouille for nothing? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the squirrel who um, runs up and down the world tree, his name is Ratatosk, and he basically is the world's biggest gossip monger. Right. His entire job is to ferry insults from the eagles that sit at the very top of the tree to the dragon that sits at the bottom who hate each other. And he basically just goes up and down the tree and goes, ha, you suck, that's from the dragon. Ha, you suck, that's from the eagles. <laughs> so he's a shit stirrer. Yeah, he's a huge shit stirrer. But so there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, like talk about whether that's his only role or whether he just does that because it fuels their hatred for each other from the eagles and the and the serpent slash dragon. Um, I don't remember their names. Oh, the the eagles don't have names that I could see, but the dragon is named Needhoger. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so to get the the so he ferries insults between them because his eventual goal is that he wants the world tree to collapse. And so having the dragon having the dragon at the bottom, he eats the roots of everything to try and get to the eagles faster. And the eagles like scratch out everything and then as the squirrel's going up and down, he's like taking random bites out of the tree. The fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it's a really weird job. It's a really weird job. Well, really it's his weird job, job though. Yeah. Why is he trying to destroy the tree that's his house? Um, well he just he lacks the strength to do it himself. So he needs the help of of those two. But, like, why? Where are you going to live, mate? Or is he fully just like, I don't want to be alive? Well, I think once the tree dies, it signals Ragnarok, so... So he's on Ragnarok's side. Yeah. Evil. Not evil, I just, like... If you're going to bring, like, the same logic from Kane Chronicles, he's just, like, a chaos monger. He, yeah. like, really... Really yeah, he's a shitster. He's a shitster. He just really likes. Yeah, and he he's just manipulating the eagle and the dragon into attacking the tree, um, because what that's cock. all that stands in between them. That's to Fight each other. But what a cock. Yeah, and so sometimes <laughs> I did find out that sometimes he Ratatosk will add to insult by making up his own and then adding them on. So like, if the dragon said to the eagle, "You suck." Then Ratatos could be like, you suck and you smell. <laughs> That's from the dragon, not me. <laughs> he's like, don't shoot them at me. <laughs> Literally. He's like the worst game of Chinese whips- whispers you've ever seen. Whipses. Whipses. <laughs> Whipses. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much 
pretty much what I have to say about him. <laughs> um, do you want to learn some things about the world tree? Yes, I do. So it is a eternal green ash tree, right. and it sits at the center of the cosmos, and it's considered to be very holy, obviously. Uh, yeah, because it stands, bites out of it. Yeah, because it stands in the middle of the world. Um, its branches stretch out over the, all of the nine realms, and each of the realms hangs from their branch. Um, and yeah, so if the tree shakes or falls, so will all the realms. Right. So basically, Ratatosk is like, I'm going to make all the realms <laughs> fall, and I'm going to be the king. <laughs> of the nothing. Yeah. Of the oasis. Yeah. Um, sometimes Yggdrasil is also called Mimir's tree, which is really cool. Uh, basically... The name Yggdrasil, though, is a metaphor. It was basically something that the Vikings and the Norse, when they, you know, back when they were running the show, yeah. basically it was just something for them to laugh at because it was just like a big joke. Bitches. So the two halves of the name Yggdrasil, first is Ig, um, it's just one of Odin's names and it means the terrifier, the one who strikes all. And then Drasil means horse, but in like a majestic way. And it's supposed to be a metaphor. So the tree's name is Odin's horse. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be a metaphor for Odin's connection to the tree. Because in one of Odin's stories, he sacrificed himself on the tree. He hung himself. And it was supposed to be him hanging. Him hanging from the tree was like him riding his horse (laughs) in like a weird way. So he sacrificed himself because Mimir explains later in these chapters that you have to sacrifice something if you want to learn something yeah. or if you want to gain some knowledge. So Odin, wanting to learn the secret to rune magic, sacrificed himself to the tree and then was reborn, basically, with the ability to do magic because that's what he learned from dying. Mm-hmm. That's the whole the whole thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, with him hanging on the tree, it was, it was seen as him riding the tree as a horse. And so this was just the epitome of Norse humour. That was, like, the thing. <laughs> makes no sense to me at all. Because how did they get Yggdrasil out of that? It just, because Yggdrasil is, his, is one of his names, and then Drasil means horse. Okay. So it's Yggdrasil. Oh, I didn't know Yggdrasil was one of his names. I said that when I started explaining. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I said it at the beginning. So yeah, that's, um, we also, is it in this section that, um, Magnus heals, heals Blitz, or is that when they get to Fenway Park? Fenway Park. Right, okay. Actually, that's after the coffin. Heals Blitz's arm. Oh, Blitz's arms. I thought you... Sorry, I was thinking Hurt's eye. No, yes, it's here in the hotel room. Okay, so he uses Alf Seder to heal heal his arm, right? Mm-hmm. I had to look into Alf Seder because I didn't think it was an actual thing, and it is, but it isn't. Okay. So Alf Seder, as far as I could tell, is a Ryodenverse thing. Seder itself is a Norse mythology thing. Okay. So, so Alf Seder as Rick describes it, is elf magic. That's all it is. It's a form of peaceful magic that can only be wielded by elves and Frey and Frey's children because Frey was, like, the leader of the elves. He was, like, their... He was, like, their ruler, their god. Yeah. Anyway. Was... Yeah. Its main uses are healing and growing and stopping violence. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Oh, well, like, he, he was the ruler of Alfheim. Like, oh, okay. he was gifted Alfheim to be its ruler. Okay. Yeah. Um, it can't be learned like rune magic can, it's just inherited. But in mythology, 
Seder was actually a form of pre-Christian Norse and it was infused with shamanism a little bit because it was more concerned about discerning the fate of people. So Seder is actually something that the norms use more than anybody else because they're the ones who determine your fate and read your fate and that kind of thing. So in actual Norse mythology, Seder basically just means fate. But in Ryodenverse mythology, our Seder is elf magic. And so it's two very different things. I was going to say... That's they're nowhere near alike. Not even close. I thought you to the point where I was like, "Am I researching the wrong thing?" Yeah, I thought you were gonna say seder just means magic. No, basically, seder is a practice of engaging with the spirit world, and it's used for like rituals with divination and clairvoyance and seeking out the hidden, both in the secrets of the mind and in physical locations. It is sometimes used for healing the sick, but not. It's not what it's known for. No. And so it's mostly used by the norms. They were seen to be, like, the masters of Seder because it was their job to weave and establish the fate of every being in existence. Yeah. So, yeah. The only... And the other thing is the only um, gods who were known to be able to wield Seder or to master Seder, not our Seder, were um, Odin and Freya. So Frey's sister but not Frey and so like it's like Rick picked a completely different god just to kind of tie it in with with what he can do and then to somehow give it to Magnus like that's it's like a weird weird yeah weird thing okay (laughs) yeah so we also in this um section when Blitz and Half come tumbling through the tree um we find out that they are a dwarf and an elf they're not actually homeless bums like we thought and I love this part because, the f- like, when Magnus first sees Blitz especially, he's, like, is super well-dressed, and like, I he can't so figure swat. out why. <laughs> and Blitz is, like, all at the time that I... The thing that got me was the phrase, all the time I was dressing up as a bum, <laughs> I, like, couldn't handle it, whatever. And I was, like, oh, he, he thinks of it as, like, a, like a theatre project or, like, <laughs> a role that he's playing. He's dressing up <laughs> rather than just, like... You know, he didn't say, like, hiding as a bum or, like, pretending to be a bum. It was literally, like, he thinks he's playing dress-up. Well, he was playing dress-up. I know, but it was was so funny. He had to put his costume on. (laughs) But then, like, later when he's talking about, I had to take a bath every morning just to get the stink out. And I'm like, why bother? You just have to put the stink back on again the next night. Like, what? Like, maybe uh, narrow it down to not every day, but I guess he couldn't deal with it. (laughs) I but I just like. I feel like I would give it. up if I was him, who was so obsessed with like maintaining this uh, charisma and attitude and this fashion sense of hygiene. Yeah. If I was told for two years that I had to give all that up and be a homeless person, I think I'd spiral. I'd be like, I'm losing my identity. I guess <laughs> I'm just a homeless person. <laughs> but Blitz is such like an interesting character to me because he is so clean obsessed and clothes obsessed and like image obsessed and I'm just like it's such an interesting like character trait and it's such an interesting direction that you could take this dwarf who basically like when we get into their into their like race of people later down the line in like other books and later in this book Mm. you find that he's like completely different to everybody on his home realm and so it's just like they're all creators and they're all yeah, but I just, I love that this is what makes Blitz Blitz, and I love that he's, like, overdramatic, and I love that he's, like, yeah. super out there, and, <laughs> yeah, 
basically definitely queer coded, mm. and so is half because you know they're a duo. But it's just they're adorable. <laughs> they are adorable. But I just yeah I. I like that it's that Blitz and Half are two different types of queer coded, mm-hmm. and I like that Blitz is this out there character, and he's just you know you can kind of guess where his opinions are going to lie or where he's going to go with certain things or when certain situations arise, and he's just mostly obsessed with okay, but what's the look? Guys? <laughs> what's it going to look like? <laughs> and everyone else is like, shut up, it's not important, and he's like, it is functional. <laughs> I just love. I love it because it's it's the whole Grumpy Sunshine opposites thing. So it's like, yeah. he's so clothing says and half could not give two fucks. He's yeah. like, I don't care. And Blitz is like, look, he's like my model. I gave him this scarf. Does he look great? <laughs> he's like, I'm going to make you look fantastic. And Half's like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it really reminds me of is that Blitz reminds me of Pepper from Modern Family. Oh, yes. That is who he reminds me of so much. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Just the most I want to see Blitz play okay, a party. Then if that's the case, Half is giving instant family the bird watcher dad. Real <laughs> 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 monotone. The, the same guy who's the science teacher from Stranger Things. Is that who you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. But like real, real <laughs> monotone and real like blunt. <laughs> just everything. Love just it. that I'm blushing. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I love them so much. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so do you want to learn some things about... No, he's giving Captain Holt. That's what he's giving. He is giving Captain Holt. But, like, but not in the same way. Just in that um, I'm interested in really (laughs) blunt, boring things. It's just like, but I'm super proud of it. That's my favorite breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, like, I imagine him getting worked up over technicalities like PhDs and doctorates and things like that. (laughs) Because he's a romantic. He's He's not Captain Holt. He's more Kevin. Sorry, yes. He's, he's, he's more he's Kevin. Kevin. He's yeah, Kevin. Kevin Cosner. He's Kevin Cosner. He is Kevin Cosner. <laughs> Just, yeah. I was dying, Kevin. Dying! <laughs> okay, do you want to learn some things about elves and dwarves? Do you know what it is to clap back, Raymond? Because, because I do! do. <laughs> Sorry, I want to say that one. <laughs> so, in this section of chapters, uh, Blitz definitely makes sure to make a distinction between dwarves and dark elves, which I think is kind of interesting because even though they are, like, I kind of see it as, like, there's dwarves and then there's elves and then the dark elves are, like, kind of a mixed race in between. That's kind of the Mm -hmm. assumption that I made, even though they're not really elves. Like, it's kind of odd. Yeah. So, like, I don't know why they're called elves because they're not really elves at all. Apparently historians aren't creative. <laughs> yeah, well. Historical figures aren't creative. Yeah, <laughs> so, words. so the technical term for what Blitz is is a fart elf. <laughs> and then Magnus says, a fart elf? You're a, oh my goodness. And her fart's like, fart elf. You're a are you? Oh uh, god, he gets so mad. And Blitz <laughs> is like, ah. He's like, I do. Yeah, and so probably because they got so much flack for having that name, they gave themselves a hundred other names that aren't mm. that, that are more like physical descriptors rather than fart elf, because that is just, all I think of is fart, God, <laughs> <laughs> speaking for me. Anyway, so they were also called dark elves, and then just a hundred variations of the word dark. So you've got murky, black, swarthy, dusky, dusk, like all of those, like dirt. Yeah, <laughs> like, get up in there. Yeah, so they're like any kind of elf that's just like 
in the shadows, <laughs> yeah. basically. Um, yeah, they are probably Master Smiths. Shadowy elves. That's probably just yeah. in there too. They are Master Smiths and Craftsmen who live beneath the ground. And then, accordingly, so Nidavellir, where the dwarves are from, Svartalfheim. So many, so many weird words. No, every time you say Nidavellir, I just hear that's a made-up word <laughs> from, from Marvel. <laughs> so you've got Nidavellir, and then Svartalfheim is basically like a suburb of Nidavellir. It's not a different planet. It's basically just like it's it's. If you think of it as like the realm is its own labyrinth of like forges and mines and like subterranean like rooms and complexes and whatever, Svartalfheim is like one corner of the labyrinth. It's like okay. the darkest corner because that's where all the dark elves come from. Because otherwise they'll die. <laughs> yeah. And so Svartalfheim was known as the dark fields of Nidavellir. Right. God, it's so many weird words in a row. My mouth is like, I can't form these letters. <laughs> Struggle Street over here. Hang on. That last little bit, it's known... Svartalfheim is known as the Dark Fields of Nidavellir. Okay. And then you've got elves, which are the complete opposite. The sun never sets in their realm, and it's just like the light and the dark, and I love it so much. Yeah, and so the elves are basically described as being, like, luminous and more beautiful than the sun, and, like, we're supposed to assume that their homeland was, like, gracious and full of light and beauty, and we do get to see that later on. We get to see that everyone's fucking obsessed with perfectionism, and it's just, like, crazy. Is that book and, two or three we see? Um, two. Okay. Then I do not remember anything that happens in the third book. <laughs> it's both. It's both. both? Yeah, because... This okay. I'm gonna cut this bit out, but they go and then there's the the Sully creature, <laughs> the blue creature with the purple like spots on its back. I have to think of Sully in the well that killed his brother, and they have to they have to defeat that creature, right? Yeah. When do they find the treasure? That's in that one. That's that one. Okay. And then they bring the treasure back, and then his dad gets obsessed with the treasure. So in the third one, they have to go and break his dad from the curse. Oh. Because in the third one, they come back and the creature's like skin is a rug on the floor. And there's all the treasure on the on the rug. Did not remember that. Right. Oh wait, no, no, no. That's the second one because that's part of Half's punishment because he has to fill the rug with the treasure or something or cover the rug. And once the rug is covered, is when his punishment is finished. And his dad won't let his punishment be finished. Yes. I don't know. We both don't remember, so I'm I'm gonna looking I'm forward gonna to that. Love getting into it. Yeah. Um, so going back to it, yeah, Frey is said to be the ruler of Alfheim, um, and his, but the relationship between the elves and the Vanir, and the Vanir were like the peace-loving gods, mm-hmm. uh, the ones who won the war, <laughs> the Vanir, um, the relationship between them is like really ambiguous, and uh, there's like a lot of overlap between the Vanir and the elves, so like, the elves are closer to the Vanir gods, like, biologically, than the Aesir gods are, which is kind of interesting. To me. Even though they're both gods. Yeah. Both types of gods. But, like, DNA-wise, that I can sort of understand, the elves have more in common that way oh. with the veneer than the Aesir have in common with the veneer. Okay. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Yeah. Which lends to, like, power-wise and, like, resource-wise <laughs> and yeah. that kind of thing. So I just kind of find it really interesting. And I love that... Hearth is the light one, and he has the, like, dark personality, where he's... Well, not dark personality, but he's, like, withdrawn, and he's, like, not quiet, but he's definitely keeping to himself, and he has these outbursts that we'll see later on. He's, like, that character, whereas Blitz has outbursts, outbursts, but he's overly dramatic in fashion, and he's 
you know, very extroverted, and, but he's also very caring, especially about half. But he comes from the dark place, and I so love the the contrast so much. They are my favorite, <laughs> the cutest. Yeah, I love them a lot. Um, we don't really learn anything else in this section, do we? I don't think once they get into Fenway Park. Oh, the only thing they learn is that they have to go after the sword. Yeah, and that um, Blitzen needs to get out of the sun because otherwise he'll petrify because he's mm. a He's a dark elf, sorry. Um, Did you have anything else to say about this section before we move on to the next one, Joe? No. The only bit that I wanted to sort of touch on is that they're obviously going to... They didn't know where they were going when they were just going down through the chute. Like, they could have landed anywhere. Let's see. And the, like, impression that I get is that it's not just a direct way to Midgard. Like, they could have just fell anywhere and it just so happened that they were lucky enough and it went to Midgard, right? Is sure. that, or like, do you think there's a different shoot labeled for each? There's they different just, shoots, or they just lucky got the Midgard one. I or? think there's different like sections you can go to. So, for example, that particular recycling shoot takes you to wherever the Red Sox play. Fenway Park. Okay, Fenway Park. I've never been there <laughs> or looked at a map. So, um, yeah, it takes you to Fenway Park. And then so, so you reckon they just went down the Midgard chute? Yeah, well, I kind of like it that they just like lucked out because Blitz and Half are even surprised, and they're like, "We could have ended up. We're like, we're, we could have ended up anywhere." Well, Mallory made it sound like, "Yeah, that's the one. That's the one that takes you to the Midgard." When she was like, "Recycling chute," where she could have said, "Down six halls, turn right, and then true, go through true. that one door that's got a rickety door handle, and that'll take you." Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. True. Okay. Um. So yeah, I liked that part. I liked that it was like oh my god, where are you going? And, like, I want it... I know that they kind of probably just, like, went through, like, a portal kind of thing and landed in Fenway Park, but I would have liked it if, as they were going, especially because they're going down, a, like, a, la- a laundry chute, going down a recycling chute, if it turned into, like, a big slide, I would have liked, like, yeah, a water no. slide moment and then, like, a loop-de-loop and then land in Fenway Park. The way I imagine it was for robots when they go through that tube where it's the flashing lights. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's what I imagined. <laughs> or just... It's that whole sequence of getting out of the train station. Yes. That's the, how you get to Midgard. You yeah. have to go through a fucking bunch of shit <laughs> to get there. Yeah. Amazing. I love that. That's how I imagined That's it. so good. Okay, and then the second part that I wanted to touch on is that, yes, they are going to get the sword because Magnus didn't die with it. Blitz and Harbour are, like, super surprised by that. They're like, oh, we kind of died with it. Like, where do you think it would be? And they're like, oh, it might be with your body still. I don't yeah. really know. They're like, we're on a treasure hunt now. Let's yeah. give it. Yeah. Because, like, they said that they couldn't find it when they went to the river, and Randy didn't have it, and it didn't. We don't know if Cert died with it or if yeah. he even died. Although, there's, like, no consequence for Cert. Like, yes, Magnus pulled him into the freezing water, yeah, but it gone just. for a swim. Yeah, it just kind of seems to me like he. As he was, quote unquote, dying in the freezing water, his own realm just, like, pulled him back instead. Yeah. Need to like go and gain strength again because yeah, he's not dead. How the fuck does that work though? Like, how do you like? Can you teleport? Oh my god, fuck teleport! Well, that's like when the gods they split their consciousness because they've got too much brain, and so they can be in multiple places at once. Man, you're showing brain. <laughs> <laughs> no, ill. <ew. laughs> 
like they can project their consciousness kind of thing. But, but then uh, that doesn't make any sense because how does that hurt anyone? Well, it's, it's like so the dumb. same thing where when Gaia wanted to destroy the gods, she had to rip up Mount Olympus, like the real Mount Olympus, yeah. in order to kill them. The home base yeah. was still there, so they could only kill the form that they're taking now, but not their actual essence. I know. Blitz does say in one of these parts that giants are inherently magic. Like when he's explaining the what we know as the mist when he's explaining the mist and he's you know saying what mortals can and can't see and he's talking about the fact that giants don't even know that they're doing it they're just like glamouring themselves anyway yeah I guess maybe there's an argument for like a little bit of his magic pulled him back oh my god your hammer pulled you off <laughs> um pulled me off the ground <laughs> but yeah I don't like that explanation because that's dumb like why do giants get to just have magic that they don't know how to use when I get nothing that's just rude <laughs> Give me some. Give me it. Give me it. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, let's go on to the next segment then of chapters, uh, chapters 25 to 28. Uh, Magnus goes to his funeral to search for his missing sword, and instead his cousin Annabeth finds out that he isn't really dead. She thinks he's a demigod and offers a first-class guide to Camp Half-Blood, but Magnus refuses, escaping the funeral service with a banged-up half in tow. Turns out, Half has been attracting some unsavory attention in the form of Samira al-Abbas, who punched him and is now on the move to find Magnus's sword for herself. Blitz is back, and the trio try to follow Sam, but instead she ambushes them. But it's fine, because now they're allies, kind of, and have more important things to do than kill each other. Mostly, they need to take advice from a severed head, because who wouldn't? (laughs) Mr. Severed Head tells Magnus of a part of his future, and the stakes at play if Magnus doesn't succeed, so now the awesome foursome must find a way to keep Fenris Wolf detained, but first... Lunch. Yes, and when I finished the last chapter, I was like, yes, they're going for lunch. This is great. <laughs> so, yeah, this session's covering uh, 25, my funeral director, director dresses me funny. 26, hey, I know you're dead, but call me maybe. <laughs> 27, let's play frisbee with bladed weapons. And 28, talk to the face, because that's pretty much all he's got. I cannot tell you how much rage I got in these chapters with Samara. I was like, stop hitting half! I was so mad! Literally. I was like, stop hitting him up! Defenseless boy! I know he's not defenseless, but he's no, my baby! She was like literally kicking him while he was down! I was like, stop! What are you doing? He's not going anywhere! Oh god! The protective rage that went up in me, I was like, my god! Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And it's, I mean, there's a lot of reasons that I don't like Samira, and this is just really contributing to that. I didn't really have any problems with her. I I do. She annoys the shit out of me. I didn't really care. And I don't remember enough about the series to be like, this is why. (laughs) But, like, this is one of the reasons why. (laughs) She beat her heart. Maybe this is actually why. Maybe it's, like, the same thing I have with Matt Damon. They did one thing wrong, and now I can never forgive them, and I just hate them forever. (laughs) Maybe that's why I don't like Samira, because she took it out of my poor boy, and now I'm just like, you bully. Get away. Get away. (laughs) Hate you. Yeah. I didn't really have an opinion on it. She was sort of just there. You know, and you're like, oh, yeah, they're there. <laughs> it was like Frank. Frank was just there. I just didn't really care about Oh, my God, it. I didn't know who you were talking about. Frank. Yeah. <laughs> Frank I was like, Frank, 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 Frank. Yeah, in, uh, in Heroes, Frank was just there. Joe, spoiler, we're not up today, yeah. What? There's someone named Frank? <laughs> Do they hang out with the someone named Jason we've mentioned a hundred times? Oh, fucking Jason. They want to kick him in the face. God, he was so annoying. He's amazing. I'll slap you, bitch. So we're finding out Joe's Samira. 
But I love you, bitch. When actually, <laughs> <my> friends. <laughs> when actually, he beat me up. <laughs> so, um, yeah, don't like Samira in this section, but I do love that we got to see well, Miss Bay I was like, there was no need for you to jump him. That was like, you could have just sneaky followed them. Attacked him. <laughs> like, why did you punch him in? Like, why did you knock him out and drag him into an alley? Okay, I get it. You were trying to get to the coffin and he was in the way. All right. But then once you were done with the coffin, they weren't even, like, they weren't even following you anymore. And yet you came back, interrupted their conversation and beat them up. That's just a dick move. What'd you, what'd you do that for? I mean, they were talking loud enough. You would have heard their plan, and exactly. then you wouldn't have had to beat them up because yeah. you would have been like, "Oh, they know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> they know as much as I do. They're like, doing they the know, same thing. Maybe we should know, team up." They probably know even less than, than you do. So it's perfectly fine. Because one of them has no idea what's going on, no. and the other two are just there bickering. <laughs> yeah, bickering. Doing the cliche, <laughs> cliche old married couple bickering, oh which God, is what we're here for. I fucking love them so much. <laughs> God, and then she had beef with him because he was doing ASL and she was like, is he putting out mean, is he like signing rude stuff at me? Like, or is he mocking me? And he's yeah. like, it's sign language. She's just, so the thing with Samira is she's defensive. She, she's so defensive of herself and people, people making fun of her, but she doesn't see that she's doing it. Like she immediately discriminates against half immediately <laughs> but then like you see her in the last chapters before when with they're at the, the dinner falafel. table and with the falafel and she's yeah. like what the fuck's that supposed to mean like immediately zero to ten and, and i'm like <laughs> you need to give some other people the benefit of the doubt but you also need to see where you're being fucking ableist but like <laughs> but like with the falafel thing when she was like yeah what's that supposed to mean he was like um I like falafel. She was like, yeah, but what do you mean by that? He was like, what do you mean what I mean? Falafel's fucking yum. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's one of my choice preferences of food. Yeah. It's food. And she's like, okay, fine. I've got my eye on you, though, with that statement. And he's yeah. like, okay. So on the topic of falafel, in the next episode that we get to, when they, when they go for lunch, and we meet her boyfriend, spoiler, and we find out that the boyfriend knows Magnus because Magnus has been fucking dumpster diving in the falafel bin, and then been getting all the leftovers, and she's like, how dare we have a connection? Only I'm allowed to like falafel, or like, whatever. And it's okay, like, only I'm allowed to have a but connection. But she's like, to still on that falafel. train, and I'm like, get off it! I mean, You'll I stop it. with ages ago! I get it, because she's obviously experienced yes, a lot I of understand that she's had a hard time, but that doesn't mean I'm you sorry. have to give everyone else a hard time as well. She's got her hackles up constantly, and oh. it's like, oi, okay. Samira is like a chihuahua, right? Or like a hair. tiny little dog, or like a short man with fucking short man syndrome, and she's like, what? You think I'm fucking short? I'll show you I'm fucking short! Like, that's, that's just what I get from her, you know? No, you know what he's like? He, oh, sorry, what she's like? He, she's like one of those men who are going bald, and you pointed out. And they're, like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, I have hair. I do. <laughs> or, you know, someone who's clearly not six foot and is trying to pull off that they're six foot. And you're like, I don't think you're six foot tall. I don't know. You look like you got lifts in your shoes. You're like, you look like you don't know how to ride a bike. I know how to ride a bike. <laughs> yeah, she just, ah, oh, she grates on me so much. Which is, like, really disappointing because I feel like there was a basis for her character that, like, would have made me be like, yes, I'm on board with this character this and I really like the way that she is and, like... 
This is once again Rick's poor writing. He just doesn't know how to write girls. He doesn't properly. know. Right, he has because to give he them... Did, he did the exact same thing with Sadie, and I hated Sadie. Because yeah. Of her, and Piper. I hated, hated Piper because of how he wrote her. Yeah. Well, just Sadie like, we just finished watching... We just finished watching the Not Okay movie on... It was on Disney for us. I think it's on Hulu in America. Yeah. With Jill and Ryan and Zoe Dutch. And she's, she's playing an unlikable protagonist. Right? And she stays there from the beginning. Yeah, and there are some cases where the unlikable protagonist is like understandable and everything. And I feel like Rick wasn't meaning to, but he made Samira into an unlikable protagonist for me personally because I was just like, there was a point where she could have learnt from what she was doing, and it just didn't happen, or like it wasn't executed in a way. And like I understand that that's hard to explain now because we're only five episodes into this series. Yeah. But like especially by the time the second and third book come around, I was still like you there's no growth. I'm not seeing enough growth fast enough to make you a redeemable character and to make you redeemable for the bad things you did. Or not like bad things, but like for the things you did that irked me when you started out. And it's just like I can see where Rick tried to make her you know, if we're going to play the race card and have her, you know, be offended, rightfully so, fair enough, Absolutely. for having been, you know, discriminated against or whatever for her family and for her, the way she looks and the, really, you know, practices that she has yeah. to, that she's following and, like, all of this. I can understand where he was coming from with it, but then for me there was no payoff for it. There was no give. Yeah. No. And I, like... I understand that, like, for some people, you don't have to make excuses for the way that you act, and you don't have to make excuses for your religion or for your preferences or for your, you know, hobbies or likes or interests or whatever. You don't have to make excuses because it's your life and you're choosing to live it that way and everyone else just kind of has to deal with it. But there's also a point where you're kind of... You're not a good person! (laughs) You're, like, infringing on, like... There's a societal way to do things, but then there's, like, a decent way to do things. Yeah. And she's just not fulfilling that decent role enough in a way that's, like, making up for the things that she's saying or doing Mm. for me. Like, you can be a proud character, which is what I think he was trying to go for with her, without being an overbearing and unlikable character. Like, you can still have a way of showing those characteristics and those traits... And you can still have a way of showing that she is defensive and she is insecure and she is all of these things, but you can do it in a way that doesn't make me hate her. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those situations where... This is a two-parter. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those situations... Have a question and it's a two-parter. It's a two-parter. I just want to get through it all. But um, it's, it's where, like, you wouldn't be able to fully understand her insecurity in her side of it unless you saw it um like on a screen so say she would be doing she's saying all these really harsh things but we're seeing no backstory because rick's not writing down any backstory behind why she's being so defensive and why she's being so anal yeah why she's being so biting your throat off Mm. biting your head off i mean throat off (laughs) Uh, we're not seeing any uh, background towards that and i also my second thought while we were doing this was, was I feel like, uh, like, he did the same thing to Annabeth, actually, in the first couple oh, of yeah. books. And the only reason people forgave her um, so quickly was because Percy saw her, because she was Percy's love interest. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, Sadie wasn't anyone's love interest who we saw a POV of, and now Samira's not 
so you know, like a love interest of anyone we see a POV of. We don't get to see why um, anyone would love her. Why would anyone love her? You know, kind of thing. So it's very. I don't know, but there is an argument for like characters like Talia. Talia starts out in a way that you come from Percy's perspective and you see she's not a likable character because she has these faults and she has these flaws, but then she comes about them in a way that's redeemable for the reader without her having to be a love interest or without her mm. being like looking through the eyes of a love interest. Like there are ways that Percy doesn't forgive her for the things that she's done, but by the end of Titan's Curse, she's still in a place where you're like, that makes sense for her character and she's come into her own. She's gained a bit of wisdom from the things that she's done. Like, but it, Samira is the opposite. It should have, she should have changed her mind about the way that she thinks about and the way that she acts about around Magnus after that first time of her getting defensive over the falafel thing and him in the, in the, you know, the eating hall, the dining hall, whatever you want to call it, and him being like He's totally oblivious and him being like, I obviously don't think about those things like that way. Yeah. And I'm obviously not thinking about you that way. She should have taken that straight away and that should have changed the way that she interacted with him for the rest of the series. Yeah. But it didn't. Like, that she's was still the on this. Yeah. And, you know, she's still on this train, treating him test. as this character that he isn't, when he's already showing that he isn't this character. And he, he's already showing that he doesn't need to be spoken to and treated this way by her because he's already shown that he's not that way. And he's on her side in, you know, those... Like, he's, he's like, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going <laughs> to, like, like uh, discriminate against you. I've already showed you that I'm... Like, I don't... It's not in my nature. Yeah. And she's like not seeing it and yeah. that's what frustrates me she is like the internal like blinders him. that she has on she's not giving him at least the benefit of the doubt yeah literally yeah. and i understand that she has emotional stresses and triggers and things and she has her own agenda and she you know is being played and manipulated by certain people that we're not going to get into yet because it hasn't got to that part of the book and <laughs> i and i understand that there are like other factors at play but there are also just like is a way that her character could have been and it wasn't hit and that's my opinion yeah that's my opinion! Yeah. We've gone on about Samira for a lot here. So let's get into the funeral section. We meet Annabeth. Let's talk about someone I love. Oh, and she's dressed immaculately. And I love <laughs> it. Really, I've seen so many things that are like, especially in the first She was like, I'm not giving up chapters. orange, no way. <laughs> no, 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 no. The first couple of chapters of this book when um, Magnus is talking about the jacket that she's wearing. It's a North Face jacket. Yeah. They're expensive. And I'm just like, oh, Annabeth's a bit of a rich girl. <laughs> she's with her dad and she's obviously like some in some ways forgiven him for their past yeah. and their shared trauma and whatever she's else. Like, she's like, she is. <laughs> yeah, she's like, we're going on a semi-family vacation together. It is to look for my missing cousin, but we're going together and I can like kind of see it if he bought her a jacket as like a, you know, like a forgive me gift. Yeah, like and, you know, and it would be like, you're constantly wearing that orange shirt, so I got you an orange jacket. That would be cute. <laughs> but it's still like the fact that Magnus notices that it's an expensive jacket, I'm like, chases, be rich, bro. <laughs> it's oh, just like thought- really poor out the difference I thought you were going to say Magnus would have noticed it because he's a homeless kid and he'd be like that's who I robbed yeah yeah exactly okay. so, but it's just like really highlighting the difference between the two Chase families and it's like oh okay <laughs> and it's just it also like gives you so like when I first read Percy it felt very white privilege of Annabeth to be able to run away to be like it just she she ran away and she found somewhere that was safe I'm not dismissing her trauma at all but the fact that she could run away and yeah it's like hard to explain but like you know how when you're younger you say you're gonna run away and you don't actually mean it and you're like 
Cause yeah, I've done something run away to too. Like, done. I've done that before. I ran down something <laughs> and ran back. <laughs> yeah, but it always came up. Like, Annabeth always gave rich girl vibes to me. Always. She always has yeah. and she probably always will because she's so hoity-toity and she's so pretentious and she's so prideful. And I'm just like... <sighs> So seeing her in these chapters where she's like, Magnus, I have a safe space for you. I'm going to help you. And Magnus is like, red flag, (laughs) (laughs) sirens, warning, red flag, get away. Because she says it so sincerely. And he's like, ugh. He's like, ew, closeness. I'm not used to that. (laughs) Genuine, like, care for me. I'm not used to that. I wouldn't be. If somebody said safe space to me, I'd honestly be like, why? Why? What? I haven't seen you in ten years, you bot twenty. It'd be like, why are you so eagerly offering to take me somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did I get onto the topic of her being rich? The jacket she's wearing. I said her outfit was immaculate. Oh, okay. She was wearing lace-up, like combat boots, black to match her oh. black jeans. I was like, yeah. <laughs> With a really expensive bright orange jacket, I was like, good yeah. liking it. I love it. <laughs> But so then she sees Magnus in in the chapel, and she's like, oh my god, I knew you didn't die, I knew it! And then she thinks that he's a demigod, and I love that so much, because she just, like, even though, timeline-wise, she's just met a whole bunch of demigods who aren't Greek, she mm. still off the bat assumes that Magnus is, because she is, and because they're related. So yeah. she's like our family like I was told that our family was special that we would draw attention so obviously you've drawn the same attention that my dad did and like you're the same product that I am and like oh my god I had this ally in my family this whole time and I had no idea but you're not safe and I wasn't safe but now I am so I can help you and she's like trying to be that yeah and she's like oh. yay my life makes sense now <laughs> she's like shit trauma yes <laughs> and he's like not quite <laughs> yeah and he's like I'm still in the trauma phase <laughs> Yeah, what I loved about that interaction, what really spoke to me, I feel like this is going to hurt your feelings, but what what really spoke to me was that he was so happy to see her, and she ran and gave him a hug, and he immediately cringed, because he's not used to physical affection, and he doesn't like it. And can't get a test, I don't like physical affection. I don't like it. She's slowly vaccinating me to... Am I, is it working? I'm indoctrinating I'm you. letting you do it right now. That's That didn't sound right. <laughs> but, like, I fully was, like, I just really like that. Because there's a lot of people who don't like to be touched at all. They're like, we don't appreciate random pats on the back or random, hug me now! And you're like, yeah. They're like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, Ew. Physical closeness. You're Sorry. like, yep, creepy person, get off me now. <laughs> it's like, Ew, that's <laughs> What was that laugh? (laughs) Uh, Crazy method cackle, that's what it was. Anyway, I just just really like that that was added in where he was like, "Mm, I do... He's like, yes, I'm so happy to see you. I'll let you hug me briefly and then now let go. (laughs) And just out of not noticing and being like, no, I want to hug you again. You know, those kinds of vibes. She's reaching out and she wants to help, and him being like, "Yes, I'm very happy to see you. Get off me. <laughs> Ew, get away." <laughs> yeah, no, I love them. They're great. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and then Magnus is like immediately concerned because he's like, "Did you see someone on the way in?" And she's like, "No." And he's like, "Oh fuck, fuck, where's he gone?" <laughs> and it's half like, "Did he ditch me?" And half like, "Something happened to him." <laughs> be like, "My dad's missing. I have to go find him." <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> 
Yeah. And then he, I mean, he doesn't find, the thing that I like about this scene is that when he's looking for the sword underneath his body and he accidentally rearranges his own corpse and it comes <laughs> up with him giving the finger to the world, nobody's going to see it because yeah. nobody's coming to this funeral. Big sad. <laughs> nobody's coming to this funeral, but it's just like, I love that he got some satisfaction out of flipping everyone off as I'm buried. <laughs> well, also, well, yeah, another devastating thing he was like, when he went to go see his corpse, he was like, wow, there literally is no one who knows me yeah. alive to like even arrange me in yeah. my dead for he's like this is the most depressing thing he's ever seen yeah he was like yeah. ew this is disgusting I would never dress myself like that I would never even want yeah. to be buried why am I in a coffin this is not where I want to be ew, 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 ew. this is the biggest fuck you he does know. also acknowledge though that the only people that he would want to come to his funeral now after everyone he's loved has died are Blitz and Hearth and yeah. and they're like yeah. we know you're not dead yeah <laughs> dead yeah. dead we know you're somewhere yeah. out there but it is just like interesting Be like, to That's see just it. a skin suit. You got a new one. So let's go. <laughs> it is just interesting to see him, to see Magnus go. This whole funeral service is a slap in the face because I was raised non-religious and I was raised atheist and I wanted to be buried. Not be- I wanted to be cremated and scattered to the winds. I didn't want to be embalmed or buried. I didn't like. It's just he had these. It, it just really shows how. Um, you can have all these plans for how you want yourself to be remembered or how you want yourself to yeah. be treated like you want the service to go and you have no control over it so anything can happen. Going on the record, I want to be cremated. Okay. Everyone out there, I want to be cremated. I don't think that's the first time you've said this on this podcast. Good. I want it multiple times on record. I've I think the things that you've said multiple times on record are I hate children and I want to be cremated. I hate children. <laughs> the idea of children grosses me out. Yeah, no, and I've even said it to mum and dad before. I didn't even, like, <laughs> I remember Dad bringing it up being like, why are you telling me this? I'm like, just in case. <laughs> like, so everyone knows, I want to be cremated. Don't, I don't want to be buried. Ew. <laughs> I want to be cremated, and I want the speakers to be playing, burn, baby, burn. <laughs> Help me in. No, I wanted to play This Girl is on Fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's nowhere near as funny. You gotta have the soundtrack to Trick 2 playing. Burn, baby, burn. Isn't that Trick 2? No. Is that Trick 1? It's not in Shrek. Yes, it is. What? It 100% is. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to need to Google this right now. It's not in Shrek, is it? It might be in the... In the... The... Talent show? Yeah. Okay. It's part of Shrek. Yeah. Burn, baby, burn. Shrek. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah, so it was in the talent Heck show. Heck yeah. Donkey was singing it. Heck yeah, because he's married to the fire dragon. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> it's going to be stuck in my head. Well, that's not what I was thinking at all. But yeah, no, I was thinking this girl is on fire and set me on fire. Cremate me. <laughs> he set me on fire. I don't care where you scatter me. I just want to be... Well, then they escape the funeral home. I don't know where else I was going with anything. They escape the funeral home and, um, yeah, they start with with following Samira and then they end up talking to a head in a bag which goes into a fountain which is really funny to me the thing that I got from the whole Minion being put into the fountain is the scene in Megamind where Minion quote unquote dies and then <laughs> yeah, Megamind chucks him into the oh, fountain I'm feeling much better now <laughs> this is such a drama queen <laughs> oh I just get the same vibes and it's amazing so do you want to learn some things about Mimeo Joe sure hit me okay so he was an exceptionally wise being and counsellor of the gods um, but it's actually unclear in mythology whether he was a giant 
or a water spirit or whether he was actually part of the Aesir. Like it's there, there is enough evidence for all three. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so he's the keeper of the well of wisdom slash fate slash earth. That's what it was called. And it sits at the base of the world tree. The world tree has three roots. So he's hanging out with the dragon? Yeah. The world tree has three roots. One of the roots goes to hell, the underworld. Mm-hmm. One goes to Niflheim? Jotunheim. One goes to Jotunheim and the other one sits in the fate well place thing that Mimius also sits in. Him and a tree. Best friends. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so in in the Vinia Asia War, he was on the side of the Asia, and then they lost and so he was traded to the Vinia. And the Vinia didn't appreciate his gift of prophecy because they already had enough of that on their own side they were like you're kind of useless to us yeah, they really they're like, enough, this like, is a shit deal <laughs> but they were also like what do we need your prophecy for when the peace loving ones just won the war mate yeah so be like you probably prophesied that your side was gonna win I obviously prophesied. that's one janky prophecy you yeah <laughs> so um basically in return for being useless they beheaded him <laughs> He was like, so they talked about him being <coughs> useless with his prophecy, but what was the other guy suggesting? He was just sitting there like, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> He's being a people pleaser, that's what he was yeah. being. Smart is what he was being. Yeah. So yeah, so they beheaded him and they gifted him back to Odin. And then after Odin saw his severed head, he was like, I'm gonna like preserve you forever. So he embalmed him with like special herbs and enchanted magic and he sang to his head Kumbaya. to preserve it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, then Please he basically <laughs> basically threw it into the well and just like consulted it when he needed it. You just see him um, lobbing it over his shoulder, just being like mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then so after he put him in the well, Mimia somehow got to become this, like, person who was almost on the same level as Odin, if not even more influential, because then Odin was going to him and sacrificing things to Mimir and being like, tell me my future. So he sacrificed his eye to Mimir. That's how he became the guy with one eye. Yeah. 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 Sacrificed his eye. Did I say ear? No, you said eye. I said eye. Okay, great. He sacrificed his eye to Mimir in exchange for drinking from his well. And getting all the knowledge. Yeah. And so then, um, luckily, Magnus doesn't have to drink from from Mimir's... No, he's just got smarty pants. Well, yeah. He puts his big boy pants on. Well, I kind of like that he didn't. I like that he, you know, had enough sense to look at the situation of, you know, what Blitz and Half, the situation that they're in, and Samira also declined, and, like, I like that Magnus was... He knew himself enough to be like, I don't want to put myself in that situation. So, like, where you're yeah. endeavored to someone forever, yeah. Nobody and likes debt. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it, it. Mia was surprised enough that Magnus did it and had the guts to do it. That I'm. It's kind of interesting that Mimi's interpretation is like everybody like gives up everything they can to come drink at my well. So the fact that you're saying no is like a big deal it almost but he said no like, so easily he was like he said no oh. so easily that it makes me think that maybe there's some kind of extra temptation when you're near the well or something or when you're in Mimir's presence that like even if you had an inkling of saying no there's something like a siren call or something yeah, that, there's something pressuring that, you there's, there's a little pulling, voice in the back of your yeah. head it's really and so difficult. the fact that Magnus said no so quickly Mimir's like impressed because he's like you're powerful like this is I like that there's like a mutual respect happening there because mm. Magnus is like I respect your hustle and I respect what you're doing not for me and <laughs> I Mimi can is see like, what you're doing Mimi is like mad bro 
Nice. He's like, okay. Nice. Yeah, but so then in this... that's part of his healing ability. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Maybe the voices are trying to get in and Magnus is like, no, I'm healing that crack in the wall where you were where you were trying yeah. to get in. I'm, he's I'm, like, I'm he's this like one and... my brain power's on full force. Get fucked. <laughs> it's on full there's force. No, there's, this is not one leaky boat. You can just climb aboard. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you want to climb aboard a leaky boat? Oh, uh, well, take over then. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like this is not one boat you can pull under. Sure, that would be a better yeah. analogy. So <laughs> let's climb aboard a leaky boat. <laughs> no, we're all sinking out. <laughs> but he wants them to get in the water. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> this is true. There's no cracks in the boat for the water to get in. Yeah. Um. There's so. A leak in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. So. When they're talking to Mimi, he gives them a lot of information, um, and he sort of name drops quite a lot of people and a lot of um, myths, and also they're talking about, you know, basically, we're like 200 pages in at this point, and Mimi is finally giving them a task that's going to shape the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. He's talking about how Fenris Wolf is getting out of his, or like, the, the, the restraints are weakening, they need to go and fix them. Someone's going to cut him loose. Yeah, they need to find the sword, go and fix them, because otherwise (laughs) Surf is going to find a way to do it. And so they're like, okay, great, well, this has given us a task, it's kind of impossible, but we'll do it anyway, because you're saying to, so this is great. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so do you want to learn some things about Fenris Wolf, Joe? Yes. So... The other episode... He's a child of Loki. He is. That's my so, only <laughs> A couple of episodes ago, you and I He's had... He's bad, bad. Well, nobody wants him. <laughs> you and I had a moment of being like, is his name Fenris or Fenra? Because I was remembering Fenra Greyback from Harry Potter, and you were remembering Fenris from, well, this, obviously, and from Marvel, right? It's just how I read it. Both of us were correct. Okay. His name is Fenris, but it also, he is more, he's actually more well-known as Fenra. All right. Yeah. Which is just like, I was like, huh? What? Who the heck? So, well, to congrats me. to both of us. Pats on the back. It's like tomatoes, tomatoes, potatoes, potatoes. I just, I <laughs> wanted to take this moment to say, guys, I was right. Guys, I was right. Don't like being wrong. <laughs> I know you don't like being wrong, <laughs> but I was wrong in that moment because we both agreed that it was Fenris, and now I'm correct because it's actually Fenral. <laughs> It's both. You I were right you both times. I'm just saying. Stop oh. saying you're wrong then because you were right both times. You Yay, pat on the right. back. So anyway, um, yes, Fenra, wolf, he was the great wolf in Norse mythology who breaks free of his chains and um, goes to fight at Ragnarok. He I is a son of Loki. Free. He is a son of Loki, um, but he's a son of Loki um, and the giantess Anfroboda. You got me. And so the thing about Fenra is that when he was conceived, he was also conceived with Hela or Hel and um, Jormagander. And Jormagander is the world serpent around the he wraps around Midgard, yeah, right? Yeah, and so nice. they are the three of them are basically known as like the worst three monsters in all of all Greek, all of Norse mythology. And it was interesting to me because a lot of what I was coming across was that even though they are children of Loki it was specified that they are children of Loki when he was in a demonic form. So we know that Loki can shapeshift and we know that Loki has this like fluid kind of ability and this like kind of personality and he can go in between forms and whatever. And I like that there's a distinction there that he was specifically demonic Loki when he sired these three children. I think it's quite interesting that they, they made this distinction. He wasn't in the mood. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I kind of like that they made this distinction all the way back then 
yeah, you know, as an explanation for why there are three incredibly evil, not evil, but like incredibly overpowered, destructive, destructive forces. But they are only destructive forces because of our best friend Odin. He ruined everything. What he do? He ruined everything. What he do? So. Basically, when they were born, there was a prophecy given that Fenris specifically would have a hand in something bad happening at Ragnarok. Sure. So when they were born, the three of them, Odin confiscated them. Not all prophecies come to life, though. Exactly. And they're vague enough that you can get around it. I don't actually have the prophecy here, but it's just... um, It's like a one in a trillion kind. Basically, the prophecy foretold that the children of Loki would cause the gods of Asgard trouble. That's all it was. That's all it was? That's all it was. It could be he's going to steal your socks. Yeah. Not only the left ones. Yeah. What's with that? (laughs) And so, so when they were born, Odin confiscated them from um, Anthroboda and took them away as babies and raised them on Asgard, the three of them. The thing was, all three of them grew at, like, this rapid pace that they overpowered the Aesir super quickly. And so Odin basically was just, like, really afraid of their power, as people in power are. They're super paranoid. And he basically was like... He basically was like, well, they're getting really strong really quickly, so we're going to have to do something really quickly to, like... What, separate them? <laughs> yeah, separate them and also, like, stop them from threatening us, like, that kind of thing. Yeah. But at this point, they'd not shown any... Like, all three of them hadn't shown any particular Pinkly. aptitude for, like... Yeah, they were like, yeah. we're just chilling. <laughs> yeah, and so they raised them themselves in order to keep them under their control and prevent them from wreaking havoc across the nine worlds. But because they grew at a fast pace, they, fast pace the Aesir could no longer control them. So, as, like, a solution, which is not a solution, Odin hurled... Um, Jormungandr into the sea and basically gave him a bigger living environment to grow even bigger. So he was like one of those little uh, dragons from From Princess Beast. Beast. Yes, he grows to the size of a place that he's inhabiting, extremely so. So he was like, so the world, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, and then he dropped Hell into the depths of Niflheim and basically from Niflheim she found a way to create her own hell part of Helheim and her own part of the underworld and part of hell where she could be the queen of the dishonored dead. Well Yeah, she basically just like walked in and was like, This place is mine now. She was I like, was dropped here and I can't get out, so I'm gonna make it my home. No, like, she's like, I'm gonna give myself a job. Let's do yeah. this. Yeah. And then busy. And then he chained Fenra to a rock with a magical chain made of like a bunch of different things, um, which I'll get into later when we talk about the chain. And anyway, when the chain was placed on him, he like bit off the hand of the god because they'd already tried to chain him twice and it didn't work. Mm. So then the third time, Fenra kind of was like, I know something's up, you've changed your recipe for the chain and I know something's up and I know this isn't going to work. But then um, the gods were like, oh, we'll stick our hand in your mouth so that you know that you can trust us. And then when it when it chained him, he was like, I'm going to fucking bite off your hand then because I can't trust you. And yeah, it, it worked. So then... Um. Then after that, so after they were all after they were all punished for being born, that's when like another kind of prophecy was sort of understood, or like when the prophecy it, that was when the prophecy kind of changed, and it was understood that they would then all come back at Ragnarok and avenge themselves because who yeah. wouldn't? Um, it was like, also one interesting thing about Fenrir is that one version of the myth said that when he came back to Ragnarok, he would devour the sun. Where do we know that from, Joe? That's raw. Yeah, everybody had raw. 
Ra's the sun. Oh no, I meant like sorry. Chaos no, that's out of the sun. Yeah, he basically Apophis. was like Apophis. 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 So yeah, it was um, one version of this is when he would devour the sun and then kill Odin. That was became part of like his. Fucking deserve no eat Odin first. Well, it was just kind of like Make sure Odin, you can you see dickhead. all the bloody horror. Well, Odin like caused his own death. He literally did. Yeah. So shot himself in the foot, dickhead. It's really fun. So no, yeah, it's like Zeus caused his own dismay. They all did. Yeah, literally, because they're all paranoid. Yeah. So yeah, Fenrir is understood. It's always that your worst, well, your worst fear comes to light the more you try to push it away. Literally, <laughs> and so the story of Fenrir is understood that he's an antagonist of the gods and one of the villains of Ragnarok and of Norse mythology in general. But the story makes it clear that it's Odin's and the other gods' treatment of the wolf and his siblings that contributed to them siding with the forces of chaos against the gods. Like, that's the reason you did it to yourself. Mm. And that's the reason the story is that way, so that it's like a teaching, you know? Um, so we also mentioned Yormaganda, which, let's get into him, because I like Yormaganda. I think that he's cool. He's one of the oldest entities in North myth- Norse mythology, obviously, yeah, because he's one of, the, one of the big villains. Pardon? I'm about mentioned? to tell you. But when was he mentioned? He's the serpent. Oh! Sorry. He's the big serpent. Sometimes also he's a dragon. Like that a lot. Um, yeah, who encircles the realm of Midgard. And it was then, after he was thrown into the sea, the prophecy changed so that he would be, um, when at Ragnarok, he would release his tail and rise from the sea to join the forces of chaos in battle against the gods and the heroes. And the gods would almost all be killed, but would defeat their adversaries and preserve order, which continued in the rebirth of a new world rising from the ashes of the old. So then Jormungandr was supposed to represent a circle of life transformation symbolism kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So I like him. I think he's really interesting. So the other thing that I find really funny about Jormungandr is, though, so where Odin is Fenrir's enemy, like fated enemy, Jormungandr's is Thor. Thor is his enemy, and it's because Thor did something fucking stupid. So Thor basically had, like, this whole um, competition with Utgard Loki, who was a giant, and they were basically like challenging each other to do all of these crazy things. Uh, I can't remember what the dick measuring contest. Yeah, basically. And I can't remember what the prize was gonna be, but Thor really wanted to win. And so Argard Loki um challenged Thor to fish for Jormungandr and then pull him from the sea. So he he succeeded in catching Jormungandr, but then he couldn't like pull him up, and so he was like humiliated because he like, couldn't finish the task and he yeah. lost. And then so after that Thor was like, well you are my mortal enemy now! <laughs> and so then after that he like hired a fishing boat and its captain. Because like, Jormungandr was just there. Yeah. He, was like... he hired a fishing boat and its captain, went out into the middle of the ocean and tried to fish for Jormungandr again was successful and caught him and then as he was like pulling him up, the captain got scared because he saw Jormungandr rising from the waves and and Jormungandr started, like, poison spitting at Thor, and the captain got really scared, so he cut the fishing line so Thor couldn't kill Jormungandr, and Jormungandr, like, escaped. And Thor was like, to the fisherman, he was like, you bitch, I was gonna win and kill my mortal enemy, and you thwarted me. Yeah. And he was like, I was scared. He's the big sneaky boy. He lives in the sea. Why would you want him? He's gonna break my boat, and you yeah, gotta fix basically. it. Um... How the fuck are we supposed to get out of here if we ruin the boat? <laughs> yeah, so Thor basically has like a personal vendetta against 
you woman yet who did nothing to Literally, you me except just, live. He was like, I just exist, and you're yeah. making me your enemy. And he was like, okay. Literally. He's literally like a misunderstood boy. <laughs> he's like, I'm just here. Yeah. Why is everyone Basically. hating on me? Yeah. He's like, I know I'm fabulous, but there's no point. Yeah. And then Hell, or Hella, if you know her from Marvel, um, who is the last of the, of the triplets, she is either a goddess or a giantess of death and she's the queen of the underworld in regards to the dishonorable dead yeah, i've basically said already everything about her that is known because she's really kind of unknown the only other thing that's known about her is what her appearance looks like so her appearance basically her body is split down the middle and one side of her is like a rotting corpse and the other side of her is alive so she's not supposed to represent the dead she's not supposed to represent the living and she's also not supposed to represent the space in between she's kind of like this other world being who like presides over like everything and it's like weird like everything to do with the underworld and the dishonorable dead she's like separate but like ruling i don't know if that makes any sense to you but it's just she's kind of weird her power she has like a necromantic power she can raise people from the dead not just people gods as well and she did raise a god from the dead and there were no consequences because people don't know how to define her so they don't know how to defeat her so she's like invincible and all the gods were like we're just not gonna deal with that <laughs> like we're just gonna like and so like after hell was put down was it into, that she wanted a friend and she was like just... no it was because another god asked her to and I didn't actually go into the full story because we do actually meet hell later what? this think. all sounds so innocent but she like so of the like the way you're explaining this makes it sound like somebody <laughs> asked her for a favor and she was like sure I can do that for you and so she there did. was some personal stake for her at play as well and I can't remember what it was but basically of the three triplets she made the least amount of noise um, in story so like there's nothing really known about her and nothing really written but down about her that survived Snakey Boy didn't actually make noise yeah. Thor made noise yeah. around him but so there wasn't really anything like written about her or recorded about her that survived all of this time to now and so she's kind of like this mysterious really just powerful don't mess with her kind of figure and she's yeah just really interesting she's just I'm getting feeling she's again misunderstood is that I mean she does go with Ragnarok and she is on the side of chaos at Ragnarok and she is trying to kill everyone there mostly because I feel like it, it completes her ranks as well because if all the gods die then they all did dishonorable things in their lifetime so I feel like she goes in they, like they all go into her ranks and she becomes the ruler of them again so she does have personal stakes in Ragnarok and succeeding on the side of chaos sure. so she's not totally blameless and she's not totally like sure. outside of everything but also somebody needed to do the job she's doing yeah but also, so. like, a lot of this literally just sounds like you just had to be nice to me and I wouldn't do anything. Yeah, a lot of this sounds like Odin's a dick. Be like, just. And like, it's very true. Be like, yes, I hold grudges, but you know what? If you don't piss me off and if you're not an asshole to me, yeah. I won't have anything to hold against you. So. Yeah. so, yeah, the last thing that I really had any information on is just the rope that is holding Fenra back from escaping, basically. Can Fenrir swim? We don't know. He's on an island. He's never had to practice. He's chilling. He's never had to practice. Maybe maybe his brother would give him a ride. You know? <laughs> Just like across. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, What's Snakey Boy's name again? Yormagenda. Can I, can I give him a nickname? <laughs> Yormi. I don't know. Snakey Boy it is. Snakey <laughs> Boy works. We've had a couple Snakey Boys in the last couple series. Um... <laughs> Well, there was Apophsis. Mm. You also couldn't say Apophsis, so Snakey Boy works. Yeah. <laughs> Why is everyone giving the snakes hard names? 
They're not actually hard names, I'm just... <laughs> um, yeah, so the rope that, uh, the enchanted rope that bounds uh, Fenrir is the only thing that, the only other thing that Mimi was kind of talking about because that is the basis for the rest of the book and they're talking about, you know, how to, how to change it but also like replenish it. We have to replenish! <laughs> replenish! Have you seen that video yeah. with the Jewish family? I love it so much. <laughs> what What's the him? one thing we taught you? <laughs> Replenish, to replenish, replenish. Danny doesn't replenish. <laughs> like great video. It's got the same vibes as um as she came down in a bubble dog. <laughs> yeah, is it dog or dog? I've never dog. Dog. Is it dog or is because it because he says bro? Well, that's what I thought, but then some people think it's dog. It's it's dog. It's in the it's in the animal. Well, that's what I thought. Well, actually, it's D A W G. Yeah, we got dog. <laughs> dog. <laughs> Came down in a bubble dog. Yeah, bro. <laughs> but he doesn't actually say it like that. He says, bubble dog. Sounds kind of like dog. He's saying dog. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> not the time for that. Um, yeah, so they're going to have to, like, replenish the rope. And I just wanted to talk about what this, what Gleipnir, or Gleipnir, I don't really know how to say it. That's what the rope is called. Okay. Um... I want to talk about what it's made of because it's just like so unattainable and it's just also like that makes a lot of sense why they just picked all of those things because it makes no sense. Alright, so what are the ingredients? The ingredients are, it literally says the word ingredients, I love that. The ingredients are the sound of a cat's footfall. The fuck? (laughs) We're starting off strong. The beard of a woman, that's attainable, you can get that. You can can get that. Past the um, age of 60, got a whole bunch. <laughs> the roots of a mountain. Okay. The sinews of a bear. That's attainable. Can you get that? The sinews. They're like, a kind of like um, a part of like your muscles. You have sinews in your muscles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the breath of a fish. All right. That's a little more attainable than the sound of a cat's foot <laughs> footfall. Footfall, sorry. <laughs> and the last one is the spittle of a bird. What? So like a bird's saliva. Okay. But like not quite saliva, just like the little bits that like you know how when you or I get like really, really hyped about something and you have like little bits yeah, flying out of you. Yeah. That's Would you announce it? That's spittle. But birds don't do that. No. So like love that. They caw caw. <laughs> <laughs> Birds don't do that, Faye Carker. <laughs> don't make that a quote. I'm gonna. No. No, I'm gonna. Birds don't spittle, birds carker. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's kind of the only thing that I had left to say about anything in this episode, which is really great. Did you have anything else that you wanted to say about Mimir or anything that happened in these chapters, Joe? Um, what out of all those ingredients yeah. are fatal to Fenris the Wolf? No, no, it's not that they're fatal. It's that they, they bind together to make this really strong rope or this really strong silken like chain, and it's just unbreakable. That makes no sense. I know, but that's not Because a lot of it's like <laughs> That makes no sense, because everything else in this has been super logical. It has. Well. A snake is wrapped around the world. There's a dragon eating roots. <laughs> okay, well that probably... That's <laughs> yeah, right, and there's a squirrel having beef between <laughs> dragons and some birds. He's just spilling all the tea everywhere. Literally. Oh god. Like, did you hear what this bitch said about you? <laughs> Can't believe it. He <laughs> like, what'd he say? Well, oh he didn't God. say hi. 
he said, "You mother." <laughs> yeah, I love that a lot. Good old ratatosk, ratatouille. <laughs> um, yeah, I like it. I just buy ratatouille for no nothing. <laughs> God, I love it. Um, yeah. Okay. Did you have anything else plot-wise to talk about? Anything that we didn't get to? Oh, her learning ruin magic. Oh yes, we didn't talk about Harp at all, really. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Harp. We didn't talk about him at all. <laughs> Talky about it. We talked about him lots because I love him. Um, yes, he is deciding to learn. He's he's learning rune magic, and the impression that I get from everybody that knows, like even Mimir, is that they're super proud of him for it. Yeah, and I'm like he's they're keeping, like, he's keeping the dream alive, and I love him so yeah, much. Yeah, because the way that Blitz described it was that oh, Hearth's a romantic. Like he likes how the elves were a thousand years ago, and he wants to keep tradition alive. And you're like, ah, oh, my precious little pumpkin. He's like, he went to a medieval festival, <laughs> and I'm being like, once, like, <laughs> like he goes a Renaissance fair just to see if it. Yeah, you know, the vibes were right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Blitz holds it against him. He's like, I went to, I went one time, and I never went back. And he's saying it like I do it often. Oh, it's just cute. It's adorable. Yeah, they just have the best relationship ever. They do, and I just, even though the Capo is their boss, even though Mimir is their boss, I kind of like, and like you get the impression that the, it's not a good working situation, or that you know they don't want to be working for him because that's, I mean, that's their punishment for, or that that's the sacrifice they had to make is their free time, basically their free will, for <laughs> yeah. drinking out of the well. And so, like, they're not happy that they had to seem like a up. mean boss, though. Yeah. He's like, well. he's like, um, we do complain to you, so you just don't listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I love that he calls everyone boyo. <laughs> Funny. But, um, yeah, you get the impression that I mean, he is in a good mood at this point. Mimir is in a good mood, and he does say in these chapters, you don't want to piss me off. Like, you don't want to see what that looks like. But it's also just, like, when you know the mythology behind him as a character, and you're like, hmm, he just got beheaded so easily. So, like, <laughs> you literally don't have a leg to stand on, bro. Like, you got beheaded by the peace fairies. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, God, I love it. Like, the ones who frolic in the garden. <laughs> when you defeated by a frolicker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I pray God. <laughs> the yes, only other, my dad. <laughs> the only other note that I had for this entire like section of chapters for this whole episode that we didn't talk about because we, we you know we went over it because we we brushed over it because it wasn't important. It's very important to me. Is that in the first couple of chapters when they bust out of Magnus's room and they're like getting all of their roommates to or all of their floormates to help yeah, guard from the squirrel. <laughs> Halfborn yeah. <laughs> runs out in his boxes and his double bladed axe and his boxes have little smiley faces on them. <laughs> Wait, they have smiley faces, right? Yeah. And it's just when Mallory looks at him and she's like blushing and Magnus goes, I don't know if it's in like if she's cringing or if it's with desire and I was like <laughs> be like, Do you know anything about girls? Evidently not. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I just love that all of them on the floor were so ready to jump in to protect Magnus. Straight away, but they also know the destructive force that is the squirrel. <laughs> Sorry, another sentence that was overlooked by you for your favorite character Sorry, was, that, was that it's literally like in the first sentence of the first, of like the twenty first chapter or twenty second, whatever the chapter yeah. was. Um, where he's like, I met up with everyone. TJ congratulated me on taking the hill. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I love him so much. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he like everybody else had criticism, but X was there like, you didn't die in five minutes, yeah. so that's nice. And then DJ was like, You took that hill so good, man. <laughs> so bad. You take that hill. <laughs> you got it. You claimed it as yours. Victory <laughs> in small steps. That hill was yours. Oh, God. I just, I love everyone on this floor so much. I think they all bring something that's just, like, the banter between them is just great, and I love the found family vibes. It's just amazing. I'm trying to think what vibes X brings. Um, I don't know, but everyone on floor 19 gives me Umbrella Academy Hargreep siblings vibes. <laughs> yes! That's what it gives me, yes. and it's giving me life, honestly. Mm. Can we not call them siblings, though? Because Mallory and... <laughs> I said Hargreaves siblings. I know, but, like, it's even... still. We remember when we watched the show and when it was Luther and it was... Yeah, Allison, it's gross. We were disgusted. We were like... Ugh. I wasn't calling people on Floor 19 siblings. Just the vibes. Think of Hargreaves siblings as one word. Hargreaves <laughs> I didn't mean you had to say fast. <laughs> Brown. No, I just love how everybody on that floor is just so ready to take a bullet because they were not going to die from it, but for everyone else on that floor. And they just, they've known Magnus for two days and they're like, he is our boy. We love him. And yes, they have to defend the hotel. From, oh no, my boy! <laughs> they have to defend the hotel from the destructive squirrel who's like, I'm going to spill all the tea on you, bitch. It's going to be scalding! <laughs> But yeah, it's just, I just love it. And I love that Harpoon is like ready to go. I, just the visual image of him bursting out of his room, boxes and double bladed axe, and he's like, fuck <laughs> yeah, I'm ready, Mitch. Yeah, and then axe is out, and then he hears the wolves come, and he's like, I'm on it, I'm out, I got it. <laughs> because you know what it is? It gives me snot that vibes. Yes, absolutely. And I was like, I just, I was trying Because to I can see Snotlap rolling out of his cabin in Race to the Edge, just in underwear, holding two weapons, being like, I'm ready to go! <laughs> either that. Just or, gives me the same Either that box. or Tough Nut would do that. <laughs> I don't need to see Tough Nut in his boxes. But you need to see Snotlap. <laughs> well, mostly because with Tough Nut, his hair would be in the way to see his chest. But with Snotlap, his chest would be just like, he is like... What is the little short, stocky um, one from Mulan in the trio? Yao. Yao. He is like Yao. It's not like that's like Yao to me. I fucking love Yao. Oh my Yow. god, and X is like a big guy. I don't know his name. <laughs> Ping? No, no, Ping's the other one. Ping is Mulan. <laughs> <laughs> no, because he... Okay, I was thinking Ling Ling. Is... He's with Ling Ling. No, or should she call him Ling Ling? The princess in the second one. His name's just Ling. Is it? Yeah, Ling. Oh, Ping and Ling. <laughs> what is the annoying one's name? Ling. The tall one. Or the skinny one who's with the with the bitch princess because she's like the serious one. Is that Ling? Yeah, that's Ling. Oh, okay. Well, what's the tall fat one's name? Talk, that's what I'm asking. <laughs> Yao Ling. What is his name? It's 
not Pogo. <laughs> I bet you it starts with P. No, it can't because she was Ping. <laughs> you really know my baby name is Ping. <laughs> Move on to characters. Why? <sighs> they were in number one. Why are you getting number two up? What is his name? I don't know. Where's Todd Hmm. Where is he? Oh god, they're not even on there. Oh, Ling's on there. Hang on. Who are you, bro? Oh, he's right there. It's just because there was three of them in the photo. Okay, his name's Chien Po or or Sheen Po. Chien Po. Chien Po. There you go. Okay, well, I wasn't anywhere close to that. No. There's P and Po. (laughs) Does that help? Sorry, (laughs) P and Po is just... That's, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> anyway, what are we talking about? Oh, okay. The vibes on floor nineteen. I just love them so much. Vibes. They are. They're just great, and they just make this series great. They make the last book fantastic. <sighs> last book's like a big road trip, and I love it. Actually, no, it's more like a big family cruise, and that's great. <laughs> anyway, do we have anything else to say about these chapters, Joe? Do we actually talk about Hearth's Rune Magic? <laughs> Stop doing that! I didn't do anything! You pinched my sweat. I literally just went down. Yeah. Yeah, we talked that he was learning about it. And everyone's super proud of him. Yeah. Did you have anything more you wanted to say about it? I just want to take a moment for everyone to soak that up. Okay, guys. Cutie. Minute of silence. A minute! Oh, it's a lot. <laughs> it's not that much to soak in. I think they got it while we were trying to figure okay, out well, Jimbo's then- name. No, they would have been distracted by that. <laughs> you were wondering Alright, thank you for the moment. <laughs> Got it. Moving on. Moment ended, guys. Okay, and so is the podcast. Um, come oh. back next week because we're discussing chapters. <laughs> you said the end of the podcast. <laughs> I was like, that's it. Okay, quit. <laughs> <laughs> next week we're doing chapters 29 to 35. 32 to 21. Yeah, 29 to 35. 29 to 35 of the sort of summer. Um, yeah, if you want to send us an email, we are damnsnackbarpod at outlook.com. And if you want to send us a message on the Instagram or the Twitters, then we are at damnsnackbarpod, where it's all about personal social media, Joe. It's linked below, guys. Yes, it's linked below, and so is our... Send us a message! So is the tickety talk. Come and have... Come and, come and join us. It's fun over there. So yeah, come back next week for chapters um, 29 to 35. It's going to be great. Uh, yeah, we'll see you then. Yes, we will. Bye. Okay, bye. bye.